This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, Zupan's was established in 1975, but here in 2021, it's the summer of sashimi at Zupan's. So they have sashimi grade fish available daily. So it's very refreshing time of year to go in and grab some uh, some sashimi grade fish at Zupan's. Uh, they have their favorite raw preparations, crudo, ceviche, uh, tartare, and sushi. So they can inspire your next summer meal. Yeah, and speaking of which, why not maybe do some king salmon on the grill? They've got some great mild, rich, and smooth. You know what I love about salmon is oftentimes you can get salmon that can go either way. Sometimes it's too fishy. Sometimes it's perfect. Well, this sounds great. Mild, rich, and smooth, sustainably raised in Canada. Throw that on the grill. Oh, it's going to be good. And they have recipes for that, too. So you can make a spicy Korean-style king salmon tartare recipe and some other recipes for some of their other great fish. Their seafood and their meat department, which are closely uh, situated to each other, are fantastic. So they have Baja Campachi. Uh, they also have Columbia River Steelhead, firm, buttery, and sweet. Doesn't that sound good, Court? It does sound good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting it's early in the morning right now, but I'm already thinking about dinner. Yeah, well, so you could also think about yellowfin ahi tuna um, and go grab that as well. So uh, lots to think about at Zupan's, including their burgers in the breezeway and their lobster rolls on Friday. It doesn't stop. The hits just keep coming. Yeah. yeah, three locations to serve you, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. And of course, you can find out all the information about everything we talked about. Where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus, Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson from Kink Radio, Portland Radio. Should I be introducing myself first now that I'm doing both, Chris, or should I? It's the courteous thing for me to introduce you first. Right. I, I was just about to comment that since I commented that you as a radio guy and are stuck in formats, uh, that's the way you have been used to doing things. So not long ago, I commented that we've been doing the same intro where you introduce me and then I introduce you. Yeah. Then you started introducing yourself. And now since you started doing that, that's exactly what we're doing every time. So I like that we know exactly how we're doing this, but I get a kick out of the fact that we're ne- we, you're not, when it comes to the, the format of a program, you're not an improviser. So, um, and I am, and yeah. it leads to fuck ups all the time. Sure. Improvise. And, uh, but at any rate, we know who we are, you yep. know, and our audience knows who we are. And our, our audience also knows to subscribe and share this podcast with, and every episode of the podcast with friends and to, uh, to make a big stink of it, I think. Yeah, wherever you listen, be sure to go in and make sure you're following us because they are constantly updating the platforms. I brought this up uh, maybe a couple episodes ago, Chris, that uh, Apple Podcasts, which tends to be kind of the more uh, used uh, Apple or excuse me, more used podcast streamer. And they changed their uh, setup. And by the way, I hate it. But um, 
uh, it kind of forces you to resubscribe to some things that you thought you were already doing. So take a moment, look at wherever you're listening, just to make sure it automatically downloads when we release these on Thursdays and uh, you'll have a fresh episode waiting for you, you know, 6 a.m. when you wake up. That's right. And we've been doing this, man. I'll tell you what, we've been doing this since before most of our listeners knew what a podcast was. 2014, we hit the ground running with yep. right at the port. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of proud of that, because of that because I haven't really stuck with anything that long. Uh, uh, really, I mean, when it comes to um, endeavors that, are, that resemble work, uh, I haven't stuck with anything for eight plus years. Yeah, I, I, I think back, I don't think that there ever, um, you know, when you reached out to me, you and Heather Jones reached out to me back in, it was 2013, I think, when we actually started working on it, right. um, that we, none of us ever would have thought that, you know, here in 2021, we're still, uh, we're still doing the podcast. Uh, there's no way. I, you know, and as a matter of fact, a little history is it almost fell apart after year two. Yeah. And, uh, and then we just kind of picked it up and changed things a little bit and, uh, we're still going, but I still, even when things were, were popping in year three and four, uh, I still didn't think we'd necessarily be going this far. And I didn't think, well, who knows, but I'm really happy that our sponsors are still with us and they've been with us for years, mm -hmm. Pans and ringside. And we just had Finex with us and, We've had a few pop in and pop out, but oh my gosh, Ringside and Zupans have been wonderful to us. And I'm really happy about that because they are businesses that I just, I, uh, I have no problem endorsing and uh, being proud of having them as sponsors. They're, they're great businesses. They've been around for a long time. As I said in the intro, Zupans since 1975. Uh, and speaking of the number 75, Ringside just celebrated their 75th anniversary a couple of years ago, or last year, I think. That's right, yeah. Pandemic. So anyway, thanks to all, and thanks to listeners who stuck with us. Obviously, <laughs> listeners have a lot of podcast choices right now that they didn't have back in 2014. So um, we're happy that uh, people are sticking with us and listening and um, and we're, we enjoy our guests. We enjoy doing this. One of them we've had on a number of times is Mike Thielen, who runs his own consulting business. And anybody who's interested in hearing about that and Mike's past in the food world, which is really interesting, by the way, I strongly recommend going back to episode 122, which I guess would have us back in about, what, 2000. 16 their court sure that's a good guess it's, it's hard it's hard to gauge these sometimes because we used to have many episodes and the number count gets a little wonky but yeah uh, let's yeah. say 2016 sure something like that but we had a nice talk with mike and I, when you talk with mike you know i'm kind of talkative he's kind of talkative to say the least and the conversations are really lively so uh strongly suggest that uh, you know, binge watch right from 122 up to where we are now, which is 280 something, 290. We're hitting 300. Hey, this is uh, this is episode 284, Chris. 284. Yeah. So binge watch those. But listen to Mike. And so this time we catch up with Mike 
really, I just wanted to talk to him about what Feast is doing this year because it crept up on me and I've heard from others that they weren't really aware of what was going on until they saw it. Um, their friends enjoying some movies and so forth uh, at the summer of Feast. And that's when I saw it. I said, geez, there's something going on. And I didn't know. So I contacted Mike. And it turns out there were some uh, really nice events in late July. And there's some more coming up in August. And there are still tickets available at FeastPortland.com for those events. And, and Mike will describe them in this podcast. Uh, but also, we got into a discussion about restaurants and Portland which I thought was pretty interesting because I made, you know, a comment about the state of Portland right now. And I, I think Mike got a little, I, I would say, got a little defensive about it. And that's okay. You know, we all love Portland and, uh, and we're hoping it comes back to what it was. But as Mike points out, a lot of what's going on is in isolated areas. But as I then point out, if you just, spend as little time in Portland as I have over the last year, you still see what some of the problems are without having to look very far. Right. So, um, so, uh, and you know, Mike's a big part of the Portland community and feast Portland is an important part of, uh, what Portland's all about. It was, and will be represents a lot of, uh, what makes Portland special. So, and feast Portland itself is a really special event. And uh, Mike talks about some of the rethinking that may go on or that has gone on in terms of what they'll be doing in the future with Feast. So, uh, and I, I believe they would be in year nine now. I could be wrong. And I welcome anybody to write us and tell us and correct us on that. No, I, 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 can, I can tell you, Chris, that it, this would be year nine. Of course, they had to cancel everything last year due to the pandemic. So uh, it, it started um, a couple of years before we started the podcast, 2012. Right. And so also, Mike will point out that part of Feast and their team is to consult with others on how to do great festivals. Uh, one of them was Hot Luck which I was able to attend, uh, I guess, three or four years ago now, and it's when it was year one, and I referenced that. And that was just fantastic in Austin, Texas. It was the first time I'd ever been to Austin, and, and now they're running that themselves uh, down there. But at any rate, these folks really know how to do a festival, and they, they started it out really strong years ago uh, when it began. And anything they do, I think, is fantastic. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm hoping to get to one of the events in late August. I looked at them last night, and uh, we'll see. But, um, but I'm hoping that the, the, in 2022, wait, it's, is it hard to lose track of the years now? <laughs> it is these days. Yep. So, so, I mean, easy to lose track. It's, it's no, hard to it's no yeah, it's no longer days and months. It's like, what year is it? Just because the, the, there was that year that stood still that just never seemed to end. Yeah. So, all right. Um, we have about 45 minutes in front of you with Mike Thielen and uh, appreciate the time he took out. I know he's busy and um, uh, enjoy this episode. I did. I always enjoy a conversation with Mike. He's a great guy. And uh, always has a lot to say and uh, causes me to think 
quite a bit about uh, perspectives, and in this case, looking at Portland and food festivals as well. So this is Mike Thielen. Enjoy. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. And by... Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022. To Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. All right, good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you. You in Manzanita? I'm always in Manzanita. <laughs> well, not always. Thankfully, I've been getting out a little bit. But uh, it's a good place to be. I spent a lot of time on the Oregon coast during the pandemic, so I definitely, you know, I mean, more than ever. Right. So, so did I. So did I. More so than ever. But I guess you really saw the light. Is there any? Is there any desire? To uh, move out here now, because after that, I would imagine that you, especially with what was going on in Portland, maybe you have the desire to do so. Um, poor, you know, and going on in Portland, I don't think, you know, I, I don't know, man, that's a whole nother subject. But like uh, Portland's not a, Portland's not as bad as it as you know, we're in a fucking pandemic. Pandemics suck. And, you know, we already had growing pains. So, yeah, you, you know, but in a lot of ways, like Portland's going to be fine. What Portland's experiencing with houselessness is, is being experienced in every West coast city right now. Um, it, you know, and it, and it needs to be fixed, but it, it's not a, you know, it's funny, like, you know, it's not a Portland problem specifically. Um, but I do think like, I'd love, to, I would love to, you know, I definitely would love to have a place on the coast. You know, I don't think I think I've missed my window for Manzanita. I don't think I could afford it. But, you know, I've actually been I've been looking at, you know, I've been looking at other parts of the coast. I, Oregon coast is an incredible spot. I, I think I really love my favorite part of the coast is the stretch between Waldport and Hasita Head. You know, yeah. like Yahats. Right. Cape Perpetua, that would be if I had a move, that would be where I would go. Yeah, and I, yeah, I thought about it, and I may someday. It's just a little far from Portland. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing: we can cover a little bit of what you just addressed, but also, I have learned. You know, we're in a new period. So I used to come up and do what we're doing right now. I used to have to be in Portland. I don't any longer, and I think we're, we've sacrificed a little bit of quality, sound quality, but in terms of not having to spend the four hours round trip to come into the studio in Portland. Um, you know, those things have changed a little bit, so I could just as easily do that in Yahats, correct? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I think we've all learned that you, that's why one reason Manzanita has, the prices have gone through the roof because people have decided if I can work from anywhere, this why would be a good spot. 
And, and, and honestly, that behavior, the sort of Zoom behavior, you know, like there's a lot, like I'm already at a point where I'm, I'm going back to my office three days a week. And I like being in an office. I like being around other people. Um, I, I miss that. I, I'm more productive and energized when I'm around other people. But, the, the, you know, how, being, you know, there's a lot of people like I know two of my good friends moved to Hood River during the pandemic and you know, they can come into Portland when they want to have, you know, good food and they want to, you know, have, have city stuff and do all their meetings. But honestly, a lot of rural areas now, the food game is elevating rather significantly because there's just a lot of really talented cooks who previously would only have chosen to be in cities or choosing to be in, in more rural areas. And it, you know, you think of, people like Jacob Harth at Never Shellfish. I mean, like that is one of the best meals in, in the country right now. I mean, it's phenomenal. Or restaurants opening up in places like Hidden River or even nationally, like, you know, people like, you know, gosh, like Sam Mason from Oddfellows Ice Cream, one of my favorite ice cream spots in Brooklyn. Like I think he and his, his lady are in Kansas City now. And, you know, there's Camille Cogswell, who was Michael Solomonoff's pastry chef. And um, she was a, you know, she moved from Philadelphia and is is opening up this restaurant in rural North Carolina. You know, you're just like seeing this now because people maybe wanted to do this, but the pandemic really showed, you, you know, you can kind of, you don't have to be in a city. You really don't. And it, and it forced a few hands too. And I'm going to probably say something that might not be politically correct for the, for the gentleman who runs Feast Portland, but I'm going to say this. Um, you know, I love getting into Portland. I'm so happy to get back in and go out to eat. We're going to Ox Friday night. Uh, that is just awesome that you could make a reservation and go to Ox. However, and I was out with my friend uh, Peter from Andina a couple of weeks ago. And I will say this, I had a, an experience that I hadn't had before, a negative one, not with Peter, not anything to do with food, but coming back to my car in, uh, you know, around behind La Pigeon on those roads right there around where Nong's is at midnight and hoping that my car would still be there and that my catalytic converter was still going to be attached to the car. I literally had a feeling of relief when I came around the corner and saw my car. So that is new and I, it bothers Chris, me. Chris, how many people do you know that have had their catalytic converter stolen? Physically, not seen on the well, news. Well, no, I happen to be, have a Honda Element, and it's really one of the catalytic converters that are easy to get to sure. and in demand. So I, just like anybody would see things on the news, I've always said, you know, things have been going on for 40 years. We just see them more in social media and the news now. But I, I agree with you on that, but there's no doubt that the, you know, it's not even an elephant in the room that looking at Portland is, for me, being in the peace of Manzanita, the contrast is is stark, and so um, you know I'm I, I'm I'm with you. They'll fix it. It's not just a Portland problem. It's pretty bad in Portland, though. You can't deny that. But I see things are happening to make it better. So um, no, it's true. But anyway, but I, do I, this, I do think this brings up a point, and I do think like something that you know because I feel this too. Like when I live. You know, so the pandemic forced us 
to be in a smaller circle and our only way of interacting with the world for a while was on our phones or on television. And I think all of us, you know, and then, and then there was a lot happening in, in Portland, but I think when I focus too much on my phone or the news, my mental health goes, takes a shit. It just goes, you know, it just, and then, and then I start saying things like, you know, like I start believing Portland is this horrible place, but that's not true. Like the truth of the matter is when you walk around the neighborhoods right now, so, you know, the, there's a lot of things that are really positive happening in Portland. There's, there's, I think downtown has suffered rather tremendously for a lot of reasons. I think the first and foremost reason is, in, is downtown businesses depend on tourism because there's like thousands of hotel rooms and people who work downtown. When you took those two things away overnight, you know, all of a sudden you have all these businesses dying on the vine. I think the the sort of uncertainty around the protests didn't, didn't help, but I do think people have used the protests as sort of a political fulcrum to say it's all because of the protests, which is a fucking lie. You know, it, it like pandemics really, I mean, like, like we were, you take away a neighborhood's you take away the people that spend money on small businesses because you can't go to your office or you can't, you're not traveling or, you know, you know, you can't go downtown and, and, and buy a pair of, a pair of shoes at your favorite shoe store because it's closed. You know, it's just downtown changed. And, and I, I think we have to look at it as like in the long run, as we build back our cities, I, I think we should be thinking about, how do we build our neighborhoods to where more people live in them, more permanent residents live in them? So there's just a sense of like, like, because these businesses aren't going to be supported unless people live in the neighborhoods. Cause if you go to like Mississippi or division throughout the whole pandemic, like a lot of those smaller businesses, a lot of them suffered and, 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 you know, a lot of them had a hard time, but a lot of small neighborhood businesses also like, Speaking for myself, like I live on Belmont Street, I went to Hoda's and Pinales and all the places, Ken's Pizza, you know, supported those businesses more than more than I ever had. Um, so there's that challenge. And then there's also the challenge of of there's there's bigger factors that are creating houselessness in cities and just what's happening in Portland. And I think we need to address those nationally, regionally, and we also need to rethink about, we need to rethink our city charter right now because how we're running the city, not who necessarily, because we can point fingers at who all day long, but when you have a succession of one-term mayors and, and challenges in our city that aren't being addressed, I think we need to relook at our whole system and say like, is, this, is, is our system set up for success? And, and, you know, cause right, right now I argue that it's not, but it's so fucking easy to point fingers at everyone. And, you know, and I just don't, I don't want to do that. I've done that. And it just doesn't feel good. I agree with you. And one thing I learned, I don't know, I'm getting older. And so part Me of too. my wisdom is the word, the words need and should. Yeah. And so you just said, we need to do this. We should do that. Well, when people tell me you need to write this or you need, I, I step back and think, well, how about a suggestion instead of, because need and should aren't going to always happen. Those are dreams. And so I believe that's the case. And I totally agree with you about the, the, the I've, I've experienced it a number of, a number of times 
the amount of time we spend watching the news or clicking on Facebook is directly proportionate to our misery. And so um, I just said it to uh, someone who's coming on one of our raft trips this weekend who was really concerned with, you know, the the Delta variant. And I said, listen, we're doing a raft trip. The entire thing is outside. There's not a moment we're going to be inside. And I, most people are going to be vaccinated. And I said to her, you know, I strongly suggest you turn off the news because it's not as prevalent outside on the river and Snake River as you think it's going to, you think it may be. Anyway. No, but but, but I think, I know we, we want to talk about other things, but I do think like the takeaway is like, we've been, we haven't had, We've had, you know, we, we are social beings. Humans are pack creatures. We need each other. We're, we, we thrive around each other. Um, we hadn't had the opportunity to really engage in community ways. And I think we all learned that the digital media is not always a substitution for that. And, you know, and, and also, like, there's a lot of people like myself, you, all of us scared, scared about the world, scared about the virus. There was a lot of people who who lost their jobs and lost their livelihoods. And, you know, you think about a lot of the the upheaval in the restaurant industry. I mean, people lost their jobs. You know, people people couldn't go to work. People and and they're losing. They lost their faith in their jobs. So. uh, So do they want to go back and work in the industry? It's no secret that a lot of people left have left the industry and the industry is going to have to figure things out. So, yeah, no, I. I totally get that, and um, but I still feel, and I think we're going to be stronger because for just in the microcosm of restaurants, they're going to have a profit center in their businesses. They never even, they didn't give much thought to before, which is takeout and serving outside. The patios are all a viable thought now. They weren't even in anybody's mindset before. No, so true. I just like Zoom meetings, which enable us to like, you know, think about being remote and, you know, and, and yeah, there's a lot of things, you know, that that have tweaked and it'll be interesting to see it. But, you know, we need and again, I agree with you and need and should. But, you know, I, I've I have definitely been trying to think about ways I can use my platforms to, you know, help. Do what I can to contribute to a healthier city, you know? Yeah, no, and I think you always have. That's what Feast has been about. So let's transition to that. I don't mean to cut you off, but as a transition, I last night ran across uh, David Attenborough's um, The Year the Earth Changed. Huh. And talk about the pandemic. Have you heard of this or have you seen no. it? Okay, so it pretty much talks about March 20th, 2020, immediately how animals, everything changed for them and how the planet got a breather for a year and yeah. what that has meant in a positive way. So I'm just trying to turn this over to was, something. Was this, no, we, is this a movie or a book? Or? It's a, no, it's a, it's a short, like 45-minute documentary on Apple Plus Apple TV, which I never, I just have my trial subscription because of Ted Lasso. So I don't know if you've seen that, but that that is awesome too. But at any rate, there's a big positive for giving the year, giving, and I think a lot of us have had resets too, not only animals, but humans. We've been able to reset and think about what's important. I, I do think a lot of people are getting back to 
what really means something to them in the midst of a lot of stress. But mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people who've done fairly okay during the pandemic because they pocketed some money they may not have had before or they just haven't had expenses. I mean, my dining budget was pretty low during the pandemic. Pausing just a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. And speaking of one of our favorite places to eat, we converged on that concept uh, this weekend. Uh, you and I and our significant others, your wife, my girlfriend, had a beautiful dinner at ringside and I cannot express uh, strongly enough how nice it was to sit at a beautiful restaurant, order and get wonderful service and eat delicious food and have a great time. I believe, if my math is correct, we were there for about four hours. Yeah, no, it, it was it, it was definitely four hours because I was getting text messages from our 13-year-old wondering when we were going to get home. And mm -hmm. they, my, my two daughters were actually waiting at the front door when Randy and I walked in. <laughs> like, well, where have you been? <laughs> turnabout is fair play, I suppose. However, yep. uh, speaking of turnabout, they're back to regular service. Their bar is now reopened and they take reservations and also walk-ins uh, at the bar. And be because they opened up this great outdoor patio, Chris, uh, that is going to continue through the fall. Take advantage of the summer weather and eat outside. It's an outdoor patio. It's got hardwood floors, has full white tablecloth service. It'll have the same service team, the same menus as indoors, but you're outside and uh, definitely something you want to take advantage of at ringside they're still offering their prime rib wednesday special available both in-house and to go so you can call in orders for pickup as well as on doordash and caviar or go to ringsidesteakhouse.com or open table to enjoy dinner wednesday through sunday at ringside i'm curious to talk to you about feast because I hate to tell you this, but I am slightly connected and I try not to connect too much. However, this, all, I don't know when you planned it all, but I was unaware that Feast was even going on until I saw people going to dinners that I know very well. So I know some of it already happened and some of it's happening in August and I love why you felt like you needed to do what you're doing because um, of some of the reasons you just talked about, connecting people, that's important. And I think that's what, that seems to be the, um, the theme of this year's feast. You're certainly not going to uh, do what you could for charities in the past and, uh, and have the type of event that you were used to having for eight years. So talk to us a little bit about what feast is this year and, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the future. Yeah, well, I mean, I think even before the pandemic, internally, we were feeling growing pains. We just got, Feast got so big that, you know, it was, it was you know, it was big and it, it was it was stressful. And I think even before this, we were talking about a lot of ways we could, you know, maybe, maybe do less and try to do it better. Because, you know, one of the things that I think we all learn is when you – when you, when you grow too much, it's really easy to spread yourself thin. And then, you know, for a lot of us who do what we do because we like feeling connected to communities, you know, there's, <laughs> there's only so much of you to go around. There's only so much community. Mm -hmm. to go so, you know, so I think, 
even before this, you know, we were talking a lot about like, you know, changing some things, you know, the pandemic last year, obviously we weren't able to do feast. Um, and, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, like, you know, there were much greater priorities in 2020 than food festivals. I mean, it just, so, you know, but I think coming back, there was this sense of, we really felt a need and a responsibility to try to do something. We knew that what we did wouldn't be as big. We knew we wouldn't be able to include everyone. We knew that anything we did, we would have to plan it in a way that we could move forward with the events. If you were still like, you know, not knowing what sort of safety measures would be mandated by the state. So we basically planned a feast that we knew we could do regardless of the situation. And, and we decided, you know, to take on an approach called summer of feast, you know, we don't have the same size of team we once had. We, we don't have, you know, we, we just, so, so we really started planning in, in April and it was sort of uh well, let's start talking to people and see what we're able to do. And we started talking to to chefs. And I guess the idea was, you know, Emily Crowley really led the charge on, you know, let's, let's connect with our, a lot of friends and collaborators and, you know, just sit down and find out where everyone's at. And not necessarily to talk about, Hey, do you want to do feast this year? I think for us, it was just like, we we're putting our heads above earth and trying to see where everyone was. And rather, <laughs> out there? rather immediately, I think we were pleasantly surprised at how many people were like, are you guys doing something this year? And if you are, we're really interested in doing something. And there was just this sense, I think, of people wanting to come together. And, you know, so we were able to plan a series of feasts over really three weekends. Um, the Feast Flicks, which we did last weekend, which we, we did these movies uh, where, we, where we did outdoor movies at the lot at Zydell Yards, which is a safe socially distanced venue that was created for COVID where we uh, showed movies, food movies, and we had chefs prepare like picnic lunches or dinners with the movies. And that, it was really fun. And our next, um, our next series of events are called Feast Family Reunions, where we were doing a series of four tasting events on the 28th and 29th of, of August, so Saturday and Sunday, two per day, where we've worked with local chefs as basically team caps. It's to say, plan your favorite sort of ideal tasting event, pick your collaborators. They're going to be small, only about 350 people per event at the red, which is a venue that holds like 2000. Cause again, we, we weren't, we're not about creating like a super spreader event. If we're, if things are challenging with, with, with COVID, you know, we're, we're, we'll be able to set it up in a really safe way. That's where the that's where the brunch event was two years ago, correct? Exactly, yeah. But imagine that with one fifth of the people and using the entire space rather than just half of it, right? So, so you know, we so those are exciting. You know, we had we just worked out with people, worked with people who are sort of longtime collaborators. I think for us too, we were thinking like we can't include everyone. We want to be as fair as possible. We also want to really work with the chefs to kind of have them curate and put together their sort of dream events in their communities. So we adopted this approach uh, with the family reunions where we had four team captains. So Rick from Lardo is doing the first, and he's doing this sort of East coast picnic 
You know, he has a lot of really incredible collaborators, you know, everyone from Sarah Schaefer to Melissa McMillan to Keys Loaded Kitchen to, you know, just like soulful, fun summer food. That will be on the Saturday, um, the 28th during the day that that night we're doing. Um, and these all happen at the same venue. We're just sort of flipping it every event. Um, Han um, from Kim Jong Girl and Carlo from, you know, Magna are putting on this you know, basically it's sort of, they wanted to do something that's like a cross between the night market and smoked two of our more popular events. Mm-hmm. And that event sold out in like hours. It was, you know, Mata folks and Heyday and right. Mama dude and all these really exciting sort of new places in Portland. And the next day we're doing a daytime event with the folks from the Nightwood sort of doing an all-female chef event. So that includes everybody from like Nong to Bonnie Morales from Kochka. Um, and then, um, you know, the, the evening of that Sunday, Thomas and Mariah from Gado Gado and Omas put together a really interesting lineup. It includes everybody from like Luna from, from Chelo and, you know, just, you know, really, really interesting stuff, uh, Meals for Heels. So like that, that will be the next sort of phase, these smaller tasting events. You're and still- I love the fact that they're you're sort of getting back to your well, they're not the roots because because feast started as a celebrating the the Northwest food scene amongst the country and the world. Yeah. Um, but I really love the fact that okay, this is a uh, this is a thing that's celebrating what's always gone on in Portland and the what has made Portland unique for a long time, which is the collaborative nature of everything and the supportive nature of all the chefs and everybody in the industry. It's pretty incredible. And it's what I identified way back when as unique to this market. So it looks like you're doing all that. I have to ask, are there still tickets available? It seems kind yeah. of There's good. still tickets available for the Feast Family Reunions, um, except for the Saturday night, but there's still, you know, feastportland.com as always. And then the third event we're doing, we partner with my friend Brandon Williams, who has this podcast called Clayma. He and his and and uh, this was something we'd actually planned in 2020, but COVID had other plans. But Brandon has a podcast called Clayma, which is short for Clayma Seat at the Table, and he interviews um, BIPOC creatives and and you know started really in sneaker and entertainment. Brandon has a really interesting history. He worked at like Adidas with collaborating with people like Childish Gambino and Kanye West on those sort of high level teams. And, you know, he was a, a kid from Baton Rouge and he, he, he was, you know, had this immensely talented guy who's carved out an incredible career path. And he's built this whole media company around telling the stories of people like him, people of color in, 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 the, in these creative industries to hopefully inspire young kids like him to want to pursue, pursue those careers. And mm-hmm. so we're partnering with them to do a live podcasting event, um, highlighting people in the food and beverage world. And, and we were, for our opening night, we have T. Kep Bramlett, who's, who's a president of, you know, Vitan Vineyards, which is a, she's like the first, um, I believe, uh, black female president of any winery in, in the country. And then we have CJ McCollum from the Trailblazers, who, who is, uh, you know, very deeply involved in the wine world. And then, you know, we have other folks involved over that course, such as Diane Lamb and, you know, the folks from Plant-Based Poppy and a few others. So that sold out really fast, you know, but but um, we still have tickets available for the Feast Family Reunions. Fantastic. And of course, 
That would be, is it, is it Feast Portland or Feast PDX? FeastPortland.com. Yeah, I was, but I, I would assume if someone plugs in uh, Feast PDX, they'll get to Feast we're easy. We're easy to find. Yeah, I would imagine, <laughs> I would imagine so. So yeah. those, those sound fun. And so usually at this time of year or in a month or so, you're starting to work, you would start to work on 2022. What year are we in now? Hmm. We're in yeah. 2021. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I got it. 2022. So what are you, are you able to start looking forward to 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some hopefulness, but I think if the world has taught us anything, we have to be, you, you can't, we want to think about ways we can bring back feast that feels a little more like feast as you knew it. But at the same time, I feel, you know, we, we all, everybody on the team, there's a real tremendous opportunity to sort of take what worked really well. And then also, you know, modify what we do to make sure that it, 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 it is the best version of itself. And, you know, like I said, even before this, I think, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to say, you know, we, we got big, we're, like any, anybody, you know, it's funny, it's whether I'm talking to chef friends of mine through this who are like, God, why did, why did I open so many restaurants or, you know, friends of mine who, 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 who do various things. I think the pandemic really forced us to think a lot about where we wanted to put our intentions. And I think, you know, we, we are thinking about 2022, but really thinking a lot about like, how can Feast be the best version of itself? How can it be reflective of where Portland is? where the food world is right now. And, and honestly, to your point, really focusing on Portland, it's not to say we won't have chefs and media and folks from other parts of the country or the world when it feels safe and right to do so. But, but I do think there is a, a definite sense of intention that we want to create and, and, you know, really looking at, at this as an opportunity. It's almost like we're in startup mode again. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you know, there's a, there's an excitement to that. I, I won't lie. It's, it's, it feels new and, and, you know, and, and, and for me, new has always been a fun place. Yeah. And you know what, it is a chance for a, re a real reset and not that anybody would say there was anything wrong. The only thing that I personally might say is it got so big that it's just like everything was crowded and I yeah. don't like crowds. And so here we are coming out of the pandemic Perhaps it's a chance for a reset to say, okay, may, can we do a little something that's a little more relaxed and comfortable? Aside from social distancing uh, 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 considerations. But no, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, you were around in feasts in the early years. And I think, you know, what really made it feel special was the intimacy. And, and you know, it was like we were – I remember the first Eater National Recap of Feast said it perfectly. It said intimate but expansive. And, you know, I think those of us who do in the event world, I mean, you like to do a lot. You like to do things that kind of fit together in a way. I mean, there, there's a certain challenge to it. I think um, certainly my chef friends relate to it in a different way. We've talked about it. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I do think we got a little big. And, and I, you know, I, I know that, you know, if you're feeling it, chefs felt it. I think I felt it. Our team felt it. And, you know, so um, we want to create an expansiveness again. But we also, you know, what makes the city so incredible, Portland is a very relatable place. And, and you know, I, I just want to make sure whatever we're doing is 
corresponds to the culture of Portland and we have that sense of it, intimacy and inclusion. Well, it's going to, and it's going to be a little different going forward. So yeah, you'll have to take the temperature, but I will say this and absolutely no disrespect to anything that all you, the great team at Feast has done over the past few years. But my last favorite event that I went to was Hot Lock. It was yes. the first year where you were kind enough to uh, to give me give give me a few uh, give me that experience of going down to Hot Luck because it was smaller and I was able to sit there and talk to chefs and get to meet people and not wait in line right just walk right up and and it was just incredible I don't know where Hot Luck is now and well, I Hot Luck's coming phone. back I mean that that. You know, yeah, Hollick's coming back. Right, but, but the nature of it, what I mean was it was year one, just like Feast year one was, where it wasn't, it was, you know, just learning to be what it was. And I just like that because it was, you could do everything and not, I don't like lines. That's that's all it well, is. No one does, you know, no one does. And, and I think too, like those of us who work in sort of the culture space, we create things because like we, you want to do something really fun that feels really good. And, you know, and then, and then things get popular and they grow, <laughs> right. and I think, you know, and I, I do think though, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned is, is, you know, it's like, okay, like how do we, if given the opportunity to, to grow things back, how do we do it, you know, mindfully, you know, cause you know, Things always like in the first year. I mean, there is something really special about, you know. First of all, like we all love things that are new. That that is that explains both the sort of most incredible thing and the most frustrating thing about media and storytelling is you know people gravitate toward what's new and you know so and there's nothing to compare it to. Also, no, it's, true. It's, a, it's true, you know, and, 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 you know, so I think the challenge is, is like, well, you can't, you can't reinvent everything every year. It's just that, that just would drive everyone crazy, but also like, how can you just, you know, have as much newness as possible, keep things fresh and intimate and, you know, make it, make it about the chefs. Cause if, you know, people are waiting in line for too long and the events get too big, I mean, it just, that's not good for anybody. Well, it's going to be exciting going forward because I think you've got, uh, you know, we've had some growth and we're going to have some new awesome chefs to get to know over the next few years, right? Um, Well, that's the other thing that I just have to interject on is like, there is so much exciting stuff happening. You know, there's just, it's interesting because like, again, like I, I don't, I know this has been a hard time for a lot of people. You don't want to take away from anybody who's gone through hardship or lost a business. I mean, like in a lot of ways I can relate to that, you know, I mean, feast is on a feast is a popular event, but you know, our team, we had a whole consulting business and it was really, that's how we kept our lights on year round is we did a lot of things and you know, that, that went away. And um, so I, I say this from a position of like, I know what it feels like, but at the same time, we have to look forward as a city and, 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 you know, just as in 2008 and 2009, this, the financial crisis sort of led to all this innovation in the food cart space. And, you know, there's a lot of people that couldn't get loans and, you know, you think about like Nongs and, you know, Rick from Lardo, like, however those things happened, 
it came out of that sort of era where food trucks and food carts and street food became the thing. And, you know, Portland has always been as kind of a scrappy bootstrap in town when it comes to like restaurants. Now is no different. There's a lot of innovation happening right now. So I think, you know, you can, you can be sad about all the change or you could be nostalgic and be happy you got to experience those things. I prefer to take that route and then be excited about the future. Cities always reinvent themselves. And, you know, right now, there's a lot of new stuff and there's a lot of new faces and there's a lot of new energy. And, um, you know, that, that I'm choosing to try to focus on those things. Cause man, when I get sad about all the change, what's the point it just takes you to that CNN place or, you know, that too much news or too much social media place where, you know, you just, we all have to like hold each other accountable to like think positive. I agree. And I think we've, uh, every the one thing that we know is everything changes uh, yeah, a lot. Totally. So this was just a quick upheaval, and and things are going to change. And you're right. I have mentioned it on this podcast, and I mentioned it to friends. Some of the people that are no longer in town cooking for us, yes. However, they seem okay <laughs> with with their new roles in different places. Uh, they people you know pick it up and move on, just like. We have, but I, I will say this, I am, there's nothing more pleasant than going out to a restaurant and eating oh, yeah. indoors yeah. and having service and being able to look at a menu halfway through the meal and say, I'll have this. And just because I just ordering in a box a day ahead of time is not something that I, I kind of decided and I discussed it with a number of people in the industry. That's not dining, that's eating food. And so I really miss dining. So um, no, I, I agree think that, with you. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, mean, you know, the first. I think that's what we're celebrating is the experience of dining is out with people and Feast does that. So, you know, you were, I asked the question before and you answered it. And while you were answering, I was thinking, well, waiting in line isn't bad. If you're with someone you care for and like, you can chat about, you can talk about a lot of things. So lines are- It also depends on how long the line is. But the thing that's so funny though, is one of the things that that I always loved is like, and this is true um, at Feast, have you ever noticed it's always the local chefs that have the longest lines? You know? Yes. And, and well, because people are familiar with them and they, they right. yes. And they want to see them. That's the, that's what we have is that interaction. Right. And you don't get that on a takeout box. No, you <laughs> so don't. maybe actually well, I do quite a few times. You can, I mean, you know, the, I, I, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of good takeout and I think, the takeout game has been upped in a way that we'll all appreciate, but I agree with you. There's no substitution for, you know, I mean, I remember the first place I really went out to, um, I went over to um, Bar Norman and, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I ordered, you know, it was like, it was May, it was, it was mid-May and they had their outdoor area open. It was the first time I really sat down. It's like, yeah, I've gone and I've bought wine this whole pandemic and I've bought things, but you know, to have Dana Frank tell me about the wines that quite frankly, like her magic is always like finding stuff that no one else finds and, you know, taking you on this journey and recommending things that, I mean, it's incredible. And that's the serendipity is what we've all missed. Like, you know, you, you can have good wine at home. You can cook good food at home. You can order stuff from a box and it tastes good, but like 
you know, the, the industry that we're very fortunate to be a part of is full of people who have lots of expertise and experience to inform you in a way that, frankly, there's no substitution for that. And that's what we've missed. And I'm going to, right, and I will also say this, <laughs> over the years, and it's a function of my age, and I'm, I'm like a lot of people and I'm not like a lot of people, but when I look back at meals that are memorable, um, the food is there on Instagram to help jar my memory as to what we ordered. But what's most memorable to me was who's at the table oh, and the experience. Uh, yeah. So um, that's what I think we're getting back to. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's exciting. I've had a few opportunities to do that in the last few months and I'm looking forward to more. And um, I am, as soon as we're off of this, uh, planning on going to see what's available at your events and if I'm going to be around as well. I should be. So um, we got tickets. For I appreciate three, it. So three left and yeah, they're going to be fun. And like I said, you know, um, we're, we're, they are, you know, we're setting them up safe and responsibly and um, yeah, it, it, we're excited to be doing something. It's fun to have, you know, our, our sort of core collaborators back. It's fun to be, I mean, it's just, feels different this year, you know, this weekend at Feast Flicks, you know, usually I'm like rolling around at the event, shaking hands and like kissing babies and, you know, talking to media. And what, what's so fun this year is like Saturday night, I was filling cannolis for Sebastianos and helping Vitali build, you know, uh, build out, um, you know, he did this incredible, he and Philippe teamed up on Sunday night and did, did a, a grand aioli spread for, for Ratatouille. And, you know, it was just so gratifying, like helping, helping the chefs work side by side. I mean, that that's to me, like, that's why I got into this industry. And, you know, I got to say like, if it's different this year, but in, in a lot of ways, it's just so gratifying and, you know, gives us all an opportunity to kind of get back to the, to the core of why we do everything, not just feast, of course, but you know, everything we're doing. So yeah, that Chris, is, come on better. that's a serendipitous moment. And I have to say, uh, I'm bummed that I didn't know about it for whatever reason. Sorry. I didn't know it was happening because Philippe huh. and Vitaly are two of my favorite people uh, on the planet, not just in the yeah. food world, not in Portland, but. Well, so, and just to address that and say out loud, because I think that's been a sentiment with a number of folks like, you know, cause a lot, a lot of people love feasts and they look forward to it and they feel like I've had chefs say that they're like, okay, I totally get you can't include everyone this year, but I didn't even know about it. But I just have to say like, you know, that wasn't the intention. It was totally a case of like us planning something and as they say, building the bike and learning to ride it at the same time. And, you know, um, we, I'm really happy to, that we were able to pull it off, but yeah, I mean, I, I want everyone to feel engaged and included and uh, you know, we'll, definitely have more of a runway next year to do it. But this year, <laughs> I'm just happy we, we were able to I, do something. I think it's great. I'm not blaming yeah. you at all. It's a function of exactly what we were talking about is disconnecting. Yeah. And so I've been a little disconnected. I'm connected at times, but you, can, you can't connect everywhere. So that's all. And uh, I'm really glad you were able to do it. I think that's fantastic. And what a treat for those people who were able to – uh, experience a collaboration between Philippe Boulot and Vitaly Paley. I mean, that is... Or even, like, I have to tell you, like, that was incredible. Like, we the Big Night team, you know, Sarah Schaefer made 200 um, uh, 
Oh, God, what is wrong with my brain? Oh, I don't want to say pantone, but I, I've been talking about this every single day, the, the dish that they made in the big night. Um, so, uh, God, what is wrong with me? It happens to me all the time, so I'm just glad you're forgetting something so I don't feel so alone. Timpano. It's called timpano. timpano. You know, Sarah, Sarah did 200 of them. And, you know, we, we did, like, I think one of the things that was so uh, cool to see was um, Thursday night, you know, we invited the Republica team because everyone this year were like, okay, you know, we're going to cook for 375 people. We didn't expect anyone to actually cook live on site. We thought it would all be like picnic situation because like cooking for 375, that's just, you, you've done events, you know, the, the logistics of that. So, and Hal and, and Laura and, and that whole team at Republica, they took on the whole event. They're like, no, we don't want to, like, we want to do the whole thing ourselves. And, and how excited were they? I saw Lauro on Instagram, just like that was a big thing. For no, him. totally. We're interviewing him tomorrow, and I may have to move him this week to next week because you may not have any tickets for feast available next no, week. No, we'll have, we'll have some next week. But, but, but with, do what you need to do, though. But with, um, with them, you know, it was like, so inspiring because I've never seen like they literally they had people making tortillas to order mm -hmm. to, to order for for 400 people like and and you know they they just there was probably it was the entire their entire staff it was like 30 people and then Matt Sigler was in there helping them out which was cool always good to see Matt mm -hmm. and and you know it was really inspiring you know and the next night like we did eat, drink, man, woman with with Jasper and and, and his team of and you know from XLB and, and Earl from Yai and then you know Lisa from Heyday who made these really beautiful donuts that that were the most photogenic thing of the weekend and then you know the everything was great this weekend and it just felt good to kind of feel so connected to everyone again and you know just. Yeah, that's isn't that what we've all been missing? So yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad that it's working out, and I'm glad that you're spreading the love. That more people will be able to start feeling that again. So, yeah. um, and so it, it reminds me. I say this often on this podcast because I always enjoy so many people's company. You and I have never sat down to actually have a meal. We've had tea and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but we need to get out. And I'd love that. Let's do it. Let's break some bread. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I would, I would love that. Yeah. It would be my pleasure. So we can, Go ahead. I'm sorry. We can go to Republica. Yes. We've been planning on doing that. As a matter of fact, that's why we're at Ox. We couldn't get into Republica on Friday night because it was booked, which is pretty no, they're, cool. That, yeah, they're, they're, that's a hard table to get. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I think we'll it, be able to manage one sometime down the road. So, yeah, I'd love good. to do that with, um, yeah, let's get together soon. We're going to marry this podcast with your number 122. So we're up in the high two. We're, we're just about to hit 300 podcasts in eight years. Is that my first one? Your first one, which talks about, you know, your food history and, and, and your geographic history and where you've been. It's really interesting. So, uh, although this went 45 minutes, I, I was thinking this would be 15 minutes, but I think that's kind of impossible between you and me to have a 15 minute conversation and bring no, it's it off. true. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I, being sort of man, a few words, no one's ever said that about me.
Yeah, no, well, no one's ever said that about me, too. So between the two of us. But at any rate, I'm a man uh, of we'll many words. I'm a man of, time. I said I'm a man of many words. Pardon me? I'm a man of many words and a man of many appetites, Chris. Yes, well, you and me <laughs> both. I, there hasn't been a lot of food that I've passed up. So um, anyway, so thanks very much. By the way, we may have room on our on our trip this weekend with Leaf out on the Snake River if you'd like to go. Anyway, I that would be Leaf. a good place to dine. Are you saying Leaf from uh, Flying Fish? Yeah, Leaf Gildersleeve. Oh, he's actually he's going to be driving down my driveway in a minute to do an interview with KGW. He's out at the coast. Yeah, so, there's their new spot, uh, Gangbusters. No, I wish I could. I'm going actually camping this weekend in Wallapa Bay. So, yeah, but you won't. This this camping will be. You won't beat this camping. But four you're four saying, days on the river. You're saying your camping is better than my camping. I'm saying that going with Canyon Outfitters on their last year before George Houtman retires, he's been on that river since 1978, man. What were you doing in 1978? He's guided more trips on rivers than anybody in the state of Oregon. He's an icon and the food is incredible. So at any rate, that's where I'll be this weekend. Well, have a, uh, depending have a on when we run this, it might have been last weekend. Pardon me? Have a good trip. Oh, I will. It'd be great. And I'll probably edit this whole part of it out. But um, thanks so much, yep. Mike, for joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to maybe I'll see you at one of the events uh, in late August. I'd I love definitely that. Wanna, uh, would love to hit that up. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time and say, say hi right. to and, and keep an eye on that. Carrie and Jenny. Keep an eye on that. I, I think keep an eye on that catalytic converter. Yeah, well, I listen out here. I feel like I'm safe. I shouldn't say that right now. Although anybody, I doubt anybody who's interested in stealing a catalytic converter ah. is listening to this podcast. Well, but who knows? You never know. Say hi to Emily, Carrie, and Jenny. I'll do that. Me and everybody else that I may know. Thanks, Mike. Let Appreciate me know it. when you're in town. All right. Talk Take to care. You soon. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right